Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexington Arrow Leader and Kentucky.com. It is Thursday, January 12, 2023. Today's podcast, we're going to preview Saturday's Kentucky-Tennessee basketball game. It's a noon tip-off down in Knoxville on ESPN. Kentucky comes into the game 10-6 and overall, 1-3 and in the SEC after that 71-68 home loss to South Carolina on Tuesday. Tennessee's ranked number five in the nation. They're off to a 4-0 start in the SEC under Rick Barnes. To preview the game, I talked with Ben Roberts, my friend and colleague of the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com, about the state of the Wildcats right now. And I also talked with Mike Wilson of the Knoxville News Sentinel, who covers Tennessee basketball. Uh, great conversation with both guys about Saturday's game. So let's not waste any time. Let's get right to it. First, my, you'll hear my conversation with Mike Wilson of the Knoxville News Sentinel. Then you'll hear me, hear me talking to Ben Roberts of the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Okay, our guest now on the podcast is Mike Wilson of the Knoxville News Sentinel, friend of the pod who covers the volunteers, covers Tennessee basketball. How's it going, Mike? Doing well. Excited to see another uh, dialed up version of Tennessee, Kentucky. Been a lot of good ones for the past few years. This is an unusual one, I would say. Kentucky is unranked. Tennessee, top five in the country. From the outside looking in, Mike, it looks like Tennessee is playing really well right now. What's your, uh, uh, how, how do you feel like the Vols are playing? Yeah, things have gone pretty darn well for them, especially since SEC play started. Uh, non-conference went well, too, with losses to, to Colorado and Arizona. But yeah, Tennessee's defense is really what's getting it done for them. Uh, that was certainly a, a calling card last season as well. Uh, but that's where the Vols are leaning into. They have a, a really highly ranked uh, adjusted defensive efficiency, number one in the country there, and one of the highest, if not the highest, in the Kempom era. Uh, and that's where Tennessee is hanging its hat again. And they're They've been better on the inside with that, added a shot blocker with more minutes from Jonas Adu, but the perimeter defense and the way that Tennessee guards is definitely what's leading to a lot of this success. Well, I mean, what were the expectations for Tennessee coming into this season? You know, they were number 11 in the, in the preseason poll, and anytime you're talking about that, you're obviously talking about a second weekend team and competing for a conference championship. And I think Tennessee going to the year felt like they were right there in that mix to win the SEC, and certainly it Right now, only a few games in, it looks like it's the Tennessee-Alabama race uh, to the top for that. But yeah, I think Tennessee, it's got to be a second weekend team, got to be at least an Elite Eight type team, just with the the blend of experience, talent, and everything that Rick Barnes has on this team. Uh, So I think there's certainly lofty expectations and watching the way that, that Rick has been coaching this team. You can see him getting to the very nitty-gritty with so many things, um, trying to avoid letting this team slip on those small details. And to me, that speaks to the potential that, that he sees in this particular team. In the times that I've seen Tennessee on TV, you know, been obviously very impressive, but they seem very balanced. Uh, it seems like different guys have stepped up for them. Obviously, there's some familiar names to Kentucky fans, starting with uh, Vescovi, uh, guys like that. Who, who's, who's playing well for them right now? Yeah, for Tennessee to have success, Santiago Vescovi has got to be one of those, those lead guys. Uh, he's just such a good shooter moves so well without the ball and just creates so much for Tennessee offensively. Um, Josiah Jordan James has come back after missing a bunch of non-conference games with knee soreness, and he's a reliable shooter, scorer, adds a lot of uh, good spacing offensively. But I think the the biggest change for Tennessee in the past few games has been the play of Zakai Ziegler at point guard. Um, always been a guy who can score the ball, create some things, but he's had 
eight, nine, ten assists in the past three games, and eight was his career high, which he only had once previously. Uh, the way that he's commanding this offense right now is making Tennessee a different level of team. What in uh, in their Tennessee's deep, uh, playing a lot of guys. Uh, anybody stick out or been a surprise of maybe somebody that maybe you weren't count, counting on in the preseason who's kind of stepped up? Yeah, I think Jermai Meshack fits into that. He was a guy that was always going to be a rotational piece, um, but he's just such a good defender. Uh, he's one of those guys that, that's elevated that defense to a different level. Um, he really takes on guarding uh, the opposing team's best guard and, and does it well. Um, he's come in. Tobey Awaka is probably the biggest surprise guy. I uh, was a late addition to this recruiting class, classed up uh, to come to Tennessee and didn't, you know, you never really know what to count on with, with a guy like that, but he is a rebounding force. Um, averages five or six of them in about 10 minutes a game. Um, so he comes in and has one job, get the ball. Uh, and he, he does it at a pretty high clip. Uh, you mentioned earlier, Tennessee's number one and adjusted defense at Camp Palm uh, in, uh, uh, this season to this point. They're 28th offensively, which is not bad, but not you know top 10 or top 20. How, are they, how have they been overall offensively? Yeah, I think they've settled into more of that offensive identity with the way that Zakai is playing at point guard, but also just with settling into more of an inside-out attack. I think early in the season, and Rick Barnes criticized this too early in the season, Tennessee's guards were just looking for threes opposed to kind of running an offense that led to some. Mm-hmm. Um, they are reliant on knocking down some threes. They're a pretty good shooting team in, in that respect. But uh, I think the offense has succeeded lately, as I mentioned, with Zakai's play at point guard, but also with the production they're getting in the post. Uh, Olivier Kamwa has been really good uh, scoring the ball. He won a two-game span with about 30 total points on 15 for 15 uh, from the field. So uh, I think the way that he's playing in there has been really essential for Tennessee's offense, kind of rising up that, that rating. Okay, Saturday noon, Derek Thompson bowling on ESPN. It mentioned him always, uh, you know, some big games between Kentucky and Tennessee over the years. This will be a little unusual. I expect Tennessee to be favored by a decent amount on Saturday. What, what does Tennessee have to do to really basically, the way Kentucky's playing right now, take care of business against this Kentucky team? Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds so simple, but to me, Tennessee playing to their identity right now is what's winning games for them. Uh, sticking to that defense, allowing the offense to kind of flow and happen and being okay with that. But obviously, Oscar Sheebway is still a massive threat that that Tennessee has to deal with. And they'll throw four different post guys at him uh, throughout the game uh, with Uros Plavsic, Olivier Kamwa, Tobey Awaka, and Jonas Adu. Uh So they're going to obviously look to do what teams try to do with Kentucky and make his life harder. Um, but yeah, I, I'd expect to see Tennessee really attack the guards on the perimeter and and kind of try to make life brutal out there and, and win off that. Yeah, I mean, Oscar's had trouble against uh, bigger guys. He, even in the great season he had last year, he had some trouble against bigger guys. He had trouble against Alabama, against Betty Ako. South Carolina started a seven-footer for the first time the, all season on Tuesday uh, when South Carolina was able to beat Kentucky at home. And Tennessee's got big guys. they got plenty of big guys who can, who can give Oscar trouble, correct? They do, and Adu is kind of the shot blocker in there, and Plavsic is kind of the, the muck-it-up guy uh, that, that kind of just creates problems by just being a physical presence and a bit of a bully down there. So, yeah, I, I think that's probably been a pleasant development for Tennessee is the way their post players are playing because at the end of last season, that's probably that area that, that was the Achilles heel and proved to be that in the NCAA tournament. 
Well, it'll be an interesting game on Saturday. It always is when Kentucky and Tennessee uh, get together there. And uh, this year, like I said, noon at Thompson Bowling on Saturday. Uh, Mike, remind the listeners where they can find you on Twitter and where they can check out uh, your work online leading up to and after the game. Yeah, my Twitter is by Mike Wilson, B-Y Mike Wilson. And then Go Vols Extra and KnoxNews.com is where everything can be found. Mike, as always, thanks again for being on the podcast. We really appreciate it and look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. Okay, thanks to Mike Wilson of the Knoxville News Sentinel. Be sure and check out all of his work leading up to during and after the game on Saturday. Before we get to my conversation with Ben Roberts, a couple of reminders. You can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. You can get a digital subscription to Kentucky.com or a print subscription to the Lexington Arrow Leader by going to Kentucky.com. Hit on the subscription tab. Check out all the subscription offers to both Kentucky.com and the Herald Leader. We really appreciate everybody who supports our work at the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. You can support this podcast by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio Podcasts. Okay, after this break, you'll hear from Ben Roberts of the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Okay, it's our good friend and colleague, Ben Roberts. How's it going, Ben? Good, John. How are you? I'm good. Uh, Kentucky travels to Tennessee on Saturday Noon game, ESPN, uh, Tennessee, what are they, number five in the country right now? Alabama, four, uh, five, Kentucky coming off that loss to South Carolina. Where do you think this team is mentally right now? Uh, well, I mean, they can't, you know, they can't be in a very good spot. Um, it, it's, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to judge that from the outside, but, you know, you talk to these guys after these last couple of games, um, you know, Monday before, before the, uh, before the South Carolina game. And it's almost like you're kind of starting from the beginning that, that, you know, whatever confidence they had, which was a ton going into the season is clearly, you know, whatever they want to say, it's clearly not there. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's a team searching for answers, um, with a lot of questions and struggling to get to any of those answers. And I think it starts at the top with Kyle and, and trickles all the way down throughout the staff and, and, uh, to the players. It's, it's just kind of a, a team without a direction right now. Um, and I'm sure it's hard to stay mentally strong and, and focused and, uh, you know, engaged when, when things are going the way they've been going. How much do you think losing at Alabama by 26 points where they basically got punched in the mouth uh, at, in Tuscaloosa? We were both there for that game. How much of that do you think they carried over to Tuesday night against South Carolina? I mean, I, I think uh, you would expect after getting beat like that that Kentucky would come out and, you know, angry and ready to prove that, hey, we're not, that, we're not as bad as we looked against Alabama. But that didn't seem to happen. South Carolina jumped out on them 21-6. to South Carolina was obviously coming off a game where they got blitzed by Tennessee at home. Uh, they seemed like the team more ready to uh, show, hey, we're not that bad. So do you think there was a hangover effect for Kentucky? Well, I mean, that's the thing is if there was, that's, that's another worrying issue about this team, because like you just said, uh, you lose like that, um, to Alabama and you know, you have a, you know, the weakest team in the sec coming in uh, without question. I mean, this is one of the worst teams in, in power conference basketball. 
uh, you should be up for that game. You should want to go out and win that game by 26 points, uh, if not more. I mean, they were favored by 20. Uh, so to come out and fall down 21 to six the way they did, that's a really worrying sign. I think if you're a Kentucky basketball fan, because so, you know South Carolina's got blitzed by a lot of people. <laughs> you know that wasn't uh, you know for, you know 43 points is 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 a, a little out there, but the fact that they got run off the court is nothing new to that team, and they've come back and gotten run off the court again uh, lots of times uh, after blowout losses this season. So. Uh, you know, you'd expect this Kentucky team losing like that, you know, with the pride that they obviously have and and wanting to be a winning basketball team and and thinking they can be a winning basketball team. You would expect them to come out and just absolutely blow the doors off the place Tuesday night. And the fact that they didn't um, is just, you know, one more thing in that column of, of, you know, what is going on here and, and how do you find answers to these questions? And I mean, you covered you covered these guys in recruiting. You've covered them, uh, you know, all year. This year, we saw them play not in person, but we saw them play in the Bahamas. You were in London. You saw the Michigan game over there. You've seen every minute of every game this year. I mean, how surprised are you that we're sitting here ten in Kentucky, ten and six overall, one and three in the SEC? I mean, how surprised are you that that they're at this point right now? Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised by the record, but in the results, but more so, it's just the way they've lost. I mean, to lo- to have so many double digit losses, you know, it, you know, it's one thing to you know go lose at the Spokane Arena to Gonzaga. That was a crazy environment. You know, it's one thing even to lose that game by 16 points. You know, fine to lose in double overtime to Michigan State. You know, fine uh, even to lose to UCLA in Madison Square Garden or to lose at Alabama. Okay, but to lose that Alabama by 26 points and never even, I mean, that game was never within 20 points for like, you know, the last right. 10, 15 minutes. I mean, they weren't even close to being in it. Right. Uh, the UCLA game, to come out and start the way they did, the Missouri game, you know, is, is uh, an outlier in that category, I guess. You, you should not come out and lose the way they did there. That, that's what's been surprising. And, and a whole lot of stuff, when you get to the basketball part of it, has been surprising. Most of all, just how out of sync and unengaged a team filled with 22-year-old players who have been through it before. I mean, they look completely unprepared, completely, you know, unaware of, of almost what they're walking into or what they're supposed to do. And these are guys who not only have been have played high-level college basketball for multiple seasons, but have been in this program, a lot of them, for multiple seasons and know, you know, what is expected of them, what, you know, how Calipari coaches all that. Um, it's it, that, that part is surprising. That is the most surprising part to me. How much do you think they were hurt the other night by not at the South Carolina game by not having Jacob top and he's out with a shoulder injury. And then case Wallace left the game in the first half with back spasms. Are we kind of underrating that they didn't have those two guys uh, topping for the whole game and, and Wallace for a large part of the game? Yeah, I mean that that could certainly have changed the outcome. I mean that that could have that could have put a, a loss to South Carolina into a you know into a win for for Kentucky category. But I don't think Jacob Toppin being out there for the whole game or Kaysen being out there for the second half you know turns it into the Kentucky blowout that it should have been. I mean they were a twenty point favorite. They should have blown that team out. Um, and I don't just the way they're playing, the way they're they 
are on the court does not suggest that they can blow anybody out at this point. Um, and you know, they're going to have to do some better stuff to show they can even beat a team at this point. And I think that's the worrying part. If you're a Kentucky fan, if you can't beat even a little shorthanded, if you can't beat that South Carolina team at home, there are no games that are even close to a, a guaranteed win on the rest of the schedule. And it's a long schedule with a lot of tough games. Um, so yeah, I mean, maybe they win that game, but that, you know, Casey Wallace was, was healthy when they got down 21 to six, uh, Jacob Toppins had a few games where he has not done much from a statistical standpoint. Um, so, you know, it hurts, but it's not, I don't think the difference between a a three point loss and a, a 22 point win. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, how, and you mentioned a lot of tough games left. One very tough game on Saturday in Knoxville. What, what do you feel like has to happen for Kentucky to turn this thing around? Not, not say that they have to beat Tennessee at Tennessee. That's going to be a tough task. But just to be, just to play better. What, what would you like to see for them? Uh, what, what, whether, what would be a sign to you that, uh, okay, they're, they're starting to improve a little bit. They're starting to play better. Yeah, I mean, it's got to start defensively. I mean, this team is going nowhere if they can't figure out how to play team defense. Um, and it's it's just not happening. And that's another surprising part is just how poor they've been on the on the defensive end uh, with the weapons that they should have. I mean, you know, Xavier Willard isn't the biggest guy, but he's a he's a pesky defender. Cason Wallace came in as with the reputation as the top perimeter defender. In, in his class, and we've seen the way he can fill passing lanes and, and also get up into people, you know, with that 6'4 frame. Um, they've got some other good team defenders, though, but it's just so out of sync. And you go back, I, I have a story up this morning about Oscar Shibway and, and how Alabama and South Carolina have, you know, clearly found a way, uh, you know, unlock the secret to... Uh, just abusing him on that end of the court and I went back and watched those games, uh, which, which was a laborious task uh, <laughs> yesterday to, 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 you know, remind myself and get a better feel of, of what the coaches were talking about. And, you know, the Alabama thing was, was, uh, that, that was one thing that was Oscar just, uh, that, that was an abomination, but the South Carolina, what happened to get them in that 21, six hole was just a complete breakdown of team defense. It, it was guys not guarding guys on the perimeter. It was Oscar not doing what he, he was supposed to do in some situations. Um, it was a, it was a lot of blame to go around for how that went. And again, it just looked like guys not being engaged, not, you know, just not, not playing basketball basically. Um, and there's a lot of blame to be placed on John Calipari for a lot of things with what's going on with this season. But there's some other blame to be passed around, you know, throughout the program. And, and some of that is, is, you know, adhering to game plans, um, you know, whatever those game plans might be. And, and that's clearly not happening in some instances. What, what about on the offensive end? What do you, what do you think you need to see? I mean, Cal's taking a lot of criticism for people have described his offense as being archaic, you know, out of touch. They don't have a clear uh, idea of what they're trying to do on offense. What, what, what do you see there? Yeah, I mean, it's obvious that, that on the other end, you know, teams are collapsing on Oscar, and, and if, if they're able to, to play, especially in the half court, they're able to play Kentucky in a way 
that basically eliminates the chance of spacing with the personnel that Kentucky puts out there and, and the attributes that those players have. Um, and, you know, part of that is on Oscar, you know, getting reading the defense, reading those double teams before they happen, triple teams, kicking it back out. But part of that is also getting action for those three-point shooters. You know, I, I <laughs> they shot four three-pointers in the first 35 minutes of that game. It's 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 2023. Uh, that's that's unbelievable to me. And I asked Cal about it after the game, and and he basically said that you know South Carolina was kind of taking it away. I if the worst team in your league can take away the three point shot from you, I, I, what are you doing? I don't know what you're doing. I I don't know how that's possible. I don't know how you can adapt to that to do something different. It is crazy to me that you have C.J. Frederick and Antonio Reeves and. And for a portion of that game, Kaysen Wallace um, and some other guys who should be able to, to hit threes. And you cannot find a way to get an open three-point shot. Um, there's a whole lot wrong. Whatever John Calipari wants to say or whatever you know efficiency ranking that is still weighted on, on preseason expectations he wants to point to, there's a whole lot wrong with Kentucky offense. Um, and, you know, there's just not seeing you know, much improvement from it. Uh, yeah, and I agree with everything you said about defense, but I also think that some of their problems on offense have led to have have led to easy buckets or easy yes. opportunities for teams at the other end. You take a bad shot or a turnover. Alabama just seemed to me, you went back and watched the game, they just collapsed on Oscar, and whenever they were able to get the ball to Oscar, it's like, we're going to take the ball away from you. What do you have for exactly. turnovers? They just attacked them. And that leads to my next question. Uh, I asked Cal about this the other night, uh, about the sense of urgency with this team. And to me, there's there's a little too much of, you know, we got time, we can figure this out. It's a long season. Severe said that after the game uh, at Alabama. Cal said it the other night. Of course, Cal answered, well, you know, the urge, we had urgency today. We have urgency the next game. What, what do you think about that? Do you think that there is a sense of urgency with this team we're just not seeing it because they're not playing well or do you think there's a little too much of hey we're Kentucky we'll get it figured out yeah I mean I think there's I think especially from I basically camped out with CJ Frederick after after the game there's you know there's clearly they know they know they're up against the corner they know that time is running out and something's got to change um and I I think that would qualify as a sense of urgency, I agree with you that I think up until very recently, there was a sense of uh, we are wearing jerseys that say Kentucky on them. We are the players that we are. That is South Carolina. We're going to just walk out there and we're going to beat them by 20 because that's the way that things are supposed to be. Right. Um, I think if Alabama didn't show them that, then Tuesday night certainly should have. And, and from talking to CJ, uh, I think that was clear from, you know, not, not in those words exactly, but, but just the overall vibe it's, it's, you know, they know, they know they're not, they're not playing well. They know they're not a good basketball team right now and whatever they want to say, uh, you know, but you still have to have hope and you still have to, and that's, you know, one thing with Cal and one thing that I think a lot of fans I'm sure they understand if you think about it. He can't, he's not going to go out there and throw his team under the bus. He's not going to go out there and say, I'm a terrible coach. He's not going to go out there and say the season's over. There's no hope. You you right. got to express some sort of optimism and hope for, for moving forward. Um, and you're not going to give your answers to that in front of a bunch of reporters that, that, that are obviously going to report it and, and other teams are going to look at. Uh, so, 
you have to think that he's working on something uh, to, to turn this thing around. Uh, but from what we've seen so far, I, I just, you know, it's, it's hard to, right. it's hard to see, uh, you know, a, a positive path forward for the scene. Right. Okay. We come to, we've come to the part in the podcast where we usually ask, what are the keys for Kentucky, uh, to win on Saturday? Uh, like I said, that's going to be a tall task, but what, what do they have to do? And we've already pretty much talked about this move forward, but is there one or two things, one, two things you're focused on Saturday? Hey, if they, if they're better in this area, at least they can make it a competitive game. Yeah, I mean, I think just being engaged and looking like the, you know, yeah. uh, to put it bluntly, to look like they they're playing basketball out there, and that's one thing. These last couple of games, and you know, people want to you, you know say they're they're soft or they're they're not you know they don't want it you know all this stuff. Yeah, I don't I don't know about that. They look like they're competing. They look like they're they're trying. It's just it's not really grounded in anything or pointed toward anything. Um, so I don't, I don't think it's a lack of effort with this team by any means. You know, people say that, oh, Oscar's the only one that cares. That's not true at all. I mean, that, come on, that, that's ridiculous. Um, but they certainly don't look like a good basketball team. I, I think that's, that's obvious. Uh, and I, and I think for me to see, Hey, this team might have some hope or some promise. It would be being engaged and and playing as one on the defensive end. And I think a lot of positivity can come from just playing good half-court defense, whether that's ending up getting offense in transition as a result of it, just getting stops and getting momentum. Um, that is where it starts with this team, is, is, is coming together, being a cohesive unit in the half-court defense. You go back and look at the first 10 minutes of that South Carolina game, and they were just absolutely all over the place, which, which is really hard to understand after what happened three days earlier. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. No, I agree. I agree. That's a defense start at the defensive end. That's a good, good place to start. Uh, ben, you mentioned the Oscar Sheepway story you wrote. Uh, I, I encourage people to check that out. Anything else that uh, they should be looking for that's already up on Kentucky.com or something you've got planned leading up to uh, the game on Saturday? Um, yeah, it's been, what is it? It's third. It's been a long week. So I've kind of forgotten <laughs> you know, yes, what, what we've already done. I mean, you know, obviously there was there was a lot of stuff coming out of that South Carolina game, and then before I, I know everybody, I'm sure saw Travis Branham at 24/7 Sports, uh, you know, report about the Texas interest. I talked to Travis. I think it was Monday, shortly after he 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 posted that, and we talked at length about his report and and how you know kind of what the situation with Cal and Texas looks like, how that might affect even recruiting in this this recruiting class. Um, moving forward. So I, I think that's something that people didn't see that that would be worth checking out. Um, you know, as, as far as what's next, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see, I, I think we're going to get Cal tomorrow. That's always subject to change. It'll be interesting to see what he has to say. Although, you know, as I said, there's only so much he can say at this point. Uh, it, it's right. you're going to, as always with Cal, you kind of take with a grain of salt, what he says publicly, but at this point in the season, under these circumstances, um, you know, I, I just I don't know what he says that's going to that's, that's going to, you know, it's going to have to be demonstrated performance on the court, not anything anybody says off the court. Uh, but, yeah, I would, you know, I the Oscar Sheboy story this morning, um, I, I'm, I'm sure that'll get a bit of a mixed reaction. But but I would just encourage people to, to read it and, and, and think about what these coaches have said and kind of you know, not unprecedented, but 
what's really struck me after these last two games is how Nate Oates and Lamont Paris came out and just flat out said, this is what we've seen from Oscar Shibway. This is what we think he's frankly really bad at as a basketball player. This is how we decided to attack it. And it worked to an absolute T and for, for two coaches in a row to come out and say that and for the tape to back it up, um, you know, uh, that's not a good sign for anybody uh, involved with Kentucky basketball right now. No. no. So be sure and check out that story. Be sure and check out all Ben's coverage. Uh, we have plenty more leading up to during and after the game on Saturday at Tennessee. Follow Ben on Twitter. It's Ben Roberts HL, correct, Ben? Uh, yes. Yep. And uh, check out all his work on Kentucky.com and in the print edition of the Lexanero Leader. Thanks, Ben, as always, for being on the podcast. Yep. Thanks a lot, John. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. My thanks to Mike Wilson of the Knoxville News Sentinel and Ben Roberts of the Lexanero Leader and Kentucky.com. Remember, we'll have plenty of coverage leading up to during and after the game on Saturday. Check out my three takeaways on my John Clay Sidelines blog. I also have a live updates with a Twitter feed on there as well where you can get updates, scores, statistics, opinions on the game. So check that out as well. Again, thanks to everybody for listening. We'll catch you next time on the John Clay Podcast.